All right, good morning entrepreneurs and small business owners. What does it take really to start a small business? Um, and when I mean that, or and start and run a small business, how do you organize all of that work and all those tasks um, without falling into some kind of mind-numbing uh, detail that takes more work to manage than it would take to just do the work in the first place? Uh, and how do you know you're even doing the right work uh, that will move your business forward at this point in time. Hi, I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is a no-nonsense live stream where we uh, blend your passion with proven business principles and practical action. This isn't about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about taking those bit proven business principles and using them in ways that create unique value that's authentic to you, your customers, and your business. All right, so let's let's get right down to it here. This is episode 40, Planet Like It Software. And uh, kind of the principles we're gonna talk about today are uh, planning and preparedness, which is something we've been talking about for a while, and as well as prioritization uh, when it comes to, you know, what's important in our business in this moment. And so that's, that's kind of the basis of what we're going to talk about. Uh, so what does it take to run a business, to start and run a business? And, uh, you know, it takes a lot. When you think about it, uh, you know, we say, okay, I have this great gardening product that I want to introduce to the marketplace. Um, we tend to get focused on the product and the application, but there's a whole, uh, a mountain really of, of things that we need to do to support a business and to grow and, uh, operate a business, no matter what product you're talking about. So, uh, we're talking about legal uh, framework, accounting structure, capital and finance, uh, banking, uh, licensing and registration, depending on where you live and what your product market is. Uh, uh, and we haven't even talked about the product, you know, in, in terms of that structure yet. And then, so you have product development and then you have marketing and advertising and material logistics. You know, how do you get raw material in and out of the, uh, I'll figure this out. Obviously I changed my microphone position uh, a little bit and now it's causing me grief. Um, but <laughs> what, um, you know, when we talk about material logistics, how do you get raw material in? How do you do production? How do you deliver that raw material or that finished product to your customer? What are your sales channels? So, and, and it goes on and on depending on your business. So as a business owner, yes, we have to be familiar with all of those things. We don't have to know exactly how manufacturing is done if that's not the principal value of the uh, that our business adds to the marketplace. If you're a contract manufacturer, you probably ought to know the importance of manufacturing and how manufacturing fits into the, uh, the uh, whole scope of business for your customer and how to do it well. But that's not, if it's not, then you don't have to know everything, but you do have to be able to figure out how to put it together. How do you create 
an environment where or a business uh, structure so that you know that those jobs are getting done. That does matter. And so as I was thinking about how we do all of this stuff, uh, I, I, I thought, what if we use the same revision and numbering kind of scheme for our business that software companies use to identify one version of software from another. Now, I'm not talking about built-in obsolescence of prior technology or having to upgrade everything when you revise your business, but there's a certain uh, mechanical value to being able to, to, or structural value to being able to put this stuff into buckets and categories that are more finely detailed without going crazy than the typical five, five, uh, five stage process. So if you, if you are, are not familiar with how, uh, businesses are typically looked at in terms of stages, you have the concept stage where you're developing your initial product. And this is the part where you did it in your basement or, or, uh, in your garage or whatever, getting the idea kind of coalesced. Then there's the startup phase where you're starting to introduce the product to customers and feel out whether or not you have value that to, to be added to the marketplace. Then there's the growth phase where you've said, okay, we've got something now that's working. How do we build on that? How do we develop that into a bigger picture, a, a grander scheme, if you will? Um, you know, and then there's the expansion phase where we've, we've grown to the point where maybe our current facility or our initial staff are no longer enough to, um, to deal with the volume of business that we're getting. And so that's great. So now we have to expand. And what does that look like? Is it more, uh, is it another building? Is it a bigger building? Is it a, uh, and you know, in the days of, of social distancing, maybe building isn't the right thing. Is it more satellite, uh, resources, people working in remotely from different locations, all of those things can come into play, but they're all part of the expansion process. So then, then we move on to the, to what people call the maturity standpoint, which is where I think founders typically get bored and that might be a whole different live stream in itself. Um, but, but the maturity where the business is stable but maybe in its current form and iteration, it's gone as far as it'll go. And so, and, and in a business sense, you, at by that point, you're hoping that you've already begun developing or already have implemented other product lines that might be in an earlier stage. Um, so that the, the business itself has longevity, even though a specific product line might fall to the wayside. Um, uh, and so, in order to make sure that we're working on things that matter at the point that we're in, you know, at the point that is appropriate for where we are in our business, we drop them into the related group. So if something is, um, so for example, uh, product development is going to be in the concept phase. By definition, the early product development is in that conceptual part of the business plan. Uh, accounting and legal structure might be part of 
the late concept or early startup phase. You know, when you're first developing a product in your garage or your basement, accounting or legal framework may not be interesting to you, may not be important to the business. Because if you've developed a product or you are working on a product and either A, it doesn't work. I mean, you can have an idea that doesn't work. That's okay. And it's better to know then than after you've spent a whole bunch of money trying to market it. Um, so maybe maybe you uh, developed a product that that uh, we, we, we have to get to the point where it works. Okay. And then we can start offering it to the marketplace. Then it makes sense to start talking about a legal framework and, uh, you know, an accounting structure and stuff like that. But, but what does late, what does late concept phase mean? What does early startup phase mean? Well, in the traditional model that we've talked about, and that's very common, there's really no, uh, breakdown after that. And for some of us, you know, initially we like that because we don't want so much detail that it takes longer to plan than it does to do the work. That's not how entrepreneurs operate in my experience. And it's certainly not how I operate. I would much rather be hands-on doing something than trying to, uh, plan to the nth degree, uh, how that thing is going to get done in the future. So how do we balance that? And that's where this idea of revisioning the software or revisioning your business as a function of, of a, a software development plan sort of came into being in my head. I, I thought, well, what if, what if we associate the five concepts, the five, um, uh, phases of business development with five revisions of, of our business. And so we can think of 0.0, .0 to 0 0.9 as kind of the concept phase. Uh, kind of the the beta release, if you will, if, if we want to continue thinking about it in, in those software terms. Um, and what if what if the 1.0 to 1.9 ends up being the um, the startup phase and 2.0 to 2.9 becomes the growth phase and so on. So we don't need to go through each one, but so that leaves us. Uh, a lot of room. So in 0.0, .0 to 0 0.9, we can now start, let's say we're starting to put tasks that need to get done in that early phase. Obviously we need to do product development. We need to figure out what do we even have to offer? You know, is it a service product? Is it a, is it a, uh, physical product? Is it a combination of physical products that are already developed? What if you're just, you, you, you just want to kit something. Let's say you can, you can kit, um, uh, uh, three screwdrivers and a printed circuit board that is loaded that you buy off of Alibaba and an LED and a light emitting diode, um, and, uh, and a buzzer and you can kit those and they have value to some marketplace. Okay. Maybe it's an educational marketplace. Maybe you have, you kit these and sell them to somebody else. Maybe it's something where you develop it from the ground up. Maybe you, uh, at this point you're creating 3d models or, or, uh, 3d print models of your product, or you're, uh, creating that prototype, uh, that you can use to get that first customer impression, or maybe you're creating a service 
and you say you you want to develop the boundaries around that service for any service providers out there one of the one of the problems that we have to deal with as service providers is the boundaries on our service um because we get paid for our time which means if there's scope creep where we can't we don't ever finish because the customer keeps changing the game then we don't you know that makes it much more difficult to get paid it also makes uh puts us in the position of constantly having to um uh either negotiate a, a new billing option or or whatever or what if somebody asks for something that we simply can't do or are not good at um you know if i do um for for example beyond 50 percent operating consulting i have partners that i work with for marketing accounting uh and legal but i and but i do not touch those things myself i also don't touch capital and finance at all i don't even have partners that i will refer to people to um in regards to funding and and capital i can provide ways of researching that for for customers but i that's simply a place that i have decided that i don't want to go um so you have to put those boundaries around that in the concept phase. Well, there's a lot still that goes on in there. And as an entrepreneur and, and in many cases as solopreneurs, where it's just one of us doing the work, whether it's, uh, it, and it doesn't matter what stage we're in. Eventually we get to this stage where we have to start, uh, delegating some work to someone, but, um, but there's still a lot on our plates. Well, we only have a certain amount of time and we have to be able to make sure that our time is being used in the best way possible, uh, it, to add value to the business and also to add the most value for that given time. For example, if you're in the concept phase and you're a computer nerd like myself, now I'm not an educated computer nerd. I just like to nerd out on software stuff because I think it's cool. So I don't want to provide the impression that I actually know anything about code. Um, I do not, but, but in terms of, let's say in the concept phase of a business, I see an advertisement for a content, uh, a customer relationship management software. The, the nerd in me is going to want to look at that and has many times and that's a rabbit hole that you can go down that adds no value to the concept phase of your business. Now, is it important in the, in the late startup phase, maybe, or certainly in the growth phase? Absolutely. So it's, I'm not saying there's no value in that item for any business, but it's not the most value that I can spend at this time to move my business forward. And that matters. It matters to us because of our finite resources. So as we work through this, we have to, to go through, for example, if you do a, a Google search on, um, things you need to do to start a business or to run a business and you start looking at the hits, you're going to get list after list of things you need to do. And guess what? I haven't looked at them all, but, but they're likely to have things on them that you didn't think about, you know, and as you, if it's your first business, have you thought about workers comp or, uh, some of these other, 
uh, legal frameworks that if you haven't run a business yourself, you actually just don't think about it that much. It doesn't come up for you, but it does need to get done. So um, as a, as a business owner, you have to look at that stuff, but where does it matter? Well, in the case of workman's comp, it doesn't matter to you hire somebody or to you're paying somebody. So eventually if you're paying yourself, you probably have to look at that and talk to an HR professional and decide is it, you know, do I need as a solopreneur, do I need to worry about work, workers comp? But each of those things has to get dealt with. And once you start, so at some point, your business revision is going to involve HR. It's going to involve paying someone, even if that someone is you. Okay. So every single one of those things that you look up and you should you've got to start categorizing into where you're going to do it for, and, and this, there's two really important reasons. One, it has to get done, but two, it needs to get done in a reasonable way with the resources that you have. And you can't ignore them, but you do, you can put them into the places where they, where they matter to your business. Uh, it's really easy to get, uh, to dig into the rabbit hole of, of, um, uh, you know, your business name or, uh, you know, your website or something like that. But if you don't have a product yet, a website might be important. And I'm not going to argue with the marketers and, and the, and the brand professionals who are going to say, but we want to start creating buzz or whatever around a product that might be important, but is it the most important thing you can do for your product? Because as solopreneurs, we don't have the luxury of spending, you know, however many thousand hours or dollars to create brand buzz when we don't have something to sell and we don't have revenue coming in. So that's the idea is now we break these things down into at first these five categories. So we've got the five categories of the business that we already worked on are the five stages and that's concept, startup, growth, expansion, and maturity. But within each of those, there's still going to be space where we're not, we're just, we're still an army of one. And that means we still have a very limited amount of time and resources to deal with any specific thing. Even if you have a small team, you still have more work than you can ever do. So we have to understand what work is the most important in this moment. And that's where we put everything into the concept phase that is pre-revenue. Let's just use that as the, as the bar. And, and, and I want to be very clear here. Those definitions are widely variable and, and that's okay, but you do have to make those definitions for yourself. So if you say, okay, my concept phase is everything before I sell my first product, what do I absolutely have in place or have to have in place in order to sell my first production product. That is not the one you used a pocket knife to make in your garage and you sold it to your neighbor because he thought it was cool. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pre-revenue of a, of a standardized product. Okay. Um, and then what happens in that startup phase? What, what has to be done by the time your start? When will you call your startup phase closed? and your, and your growth phase started. 
And so you start to categorize things. You say, okay, I need a, a way of working with customers on a regular basis and I need that to happen. You know, maybe I don't need it initially when I launch my first product, but I'm going to need it before I get into the growth phase. It's got to be part of our DNA as a business before we really focus on growing that customer base. Okay. And that makes sense. So, but every single one of these things is going to have, um, you know, every phase, every stage of the business is going to have additional things that need to get done. But because we have limited resources, we need to kind of identify, okay, in business, uh, you know, uh, in, in uh, 0.1, I am creating my first prototype. In 0.3, I want to have also kind of figured out what tools are going to be required to manufacture it, not what vendors are going to be needed necessarily, and not what uh, you know, maybe not even what materials I need to use, but what is the general, what tools are going to be needed? What's the general expertise that's going to be needed? Maybe I need to identify that in a piece of the startup phase, but it doesn't matter until I know that I have a product that works or a product that has a high probability of working. Um, and this might be, for example, if you're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign, as long as you have some kind of working prototype, the concept phase might be a great time to put crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, yeah, crowdfunding into your business plan. And, and how do you do that? Because at that point, you're not quite at revenue yet, but you need money to move the product forward. If crowdfunding is part of your business model or you've, you've thought about it, Maybe that's a good place to put those things into place. If you want to pitch to investors, this is not the time to put together a pitch deck. That might need to be in, uh, you know, 2.5, where you're in growth and you have established some growth on your own. You know you're headed toward the expansion phase. You know what the criteria are going to be. I can produce a thousand of these with the facility I have per month. When I get to 900, I need to be expanding. I don't have the money to expand. I'm going to need capital. So, so being able to, to look at your plan and say, okay, I'm going to need to figure out, am I going to get a bank loan? Am I going to start looking for angel investors? Am I going to look for institutional investors? Have I got a product that's going to have that classic hockey stick um, growth curve? And do I want, you know, real capital, uh, venture capital to move in and uh, provide the, the, the leverage that I need to really grow it in once I get into the expansion stage and really move this product forward? So in theory, I've got my screen shared now and uh, hopefully the type is not too terribly small, but what you can see is that I've, I've gone in and said, okay, in version 0.1 of 0.1 of the business, you would define the ideal customer, you know, so that's something that's really important to do early on. Um, what is the nature of your product offering? Um, and uh, in this case, I put in some basic accounting because I felt like, okay, at this point I am going to actually be, uh, 
generating expenses. So I want to be able to put something together that will um, uh, allow me to apply those expenses to the business instead of to my personal uh, uh, life. And then, so uh, in, in this case, version point two of the business, I said, okay, we'll put the legal structure in place um, and uh, look at sales registration uh, or state registration, city registration, et cetera. And those things are falling into that early stage. Now, for a product-based pro, uh, product business, you might have a slightly different uh, or very different. It's not, it doesn't need to look like this. It needs to be appropriate for what you're going to do. For a product-based business, it might be much different because you need to do um, uh, uh, product development. Uh, how are you going to, to deliver that product? What's it going to, what's it look like? And does it work? Um, in, in a sense, creating a service product doesn't have the same mechanical and structural challenges that maybe a product-based business has. So, um, and then in version 1.0 uh, to, to 1.9, um, I haven't broken these down. This was actually a brainstorm I did pretty late last night. So, uh, it isn't as broken down further on, but when I look at the, you know, at version 1.0, 1.9 of the, of the business, you know, this, which is the startup phase, um, uh, you say, okay, I really need to be sure that I know what name I'm going to have, what, what the launch branding is going to look like. I probably want to start thinking about a CRM by the time I get to growth. Um, how am I going to handle marketing and public relations and advertising? So, this gives you kind of an idea of what I was talking about. Um, it isn't as comprehensive as obviously it would need to be from the perspective of a fully fleshed out how how I'm going to get things done that need to get done. One thing that I did want to bring up is that you'll notice, and this is where this plan kind of, it it there is some more thinking that needs to happen as we grow, go forward as, as uh, business owners. Um, You'll notice that uh, courses and workshops are listed under the startup phase. Um, those are actually going to be new products. So th the you might have this concept relate to the business in general and have uh, each product or product type have its own life cycle and, and separate that out, which is probably what I'm going to do as I move through this a little bit more thoroughly is the courses and workshops and actually even the consulting services offering that will all move off to have its own product life cycle project. And what I'll incorporate into the business structure is the introduction of products at specific phases, um, and not worry too much about the logistics of each product life cycle within the framework that I'm talking about here of the business. So, um, that did, as I was doing this, that kind of came up for me as, as, and I had to say, okay, how are we going to do that so that it makes sense for, uh, business owners, um, you know, cause you could really clutter this, <clears throat> excuse me you could really clutter this model up with detail 
<coughs> if you uh, only did the, uh, or if you incorporated all of your product life cycles into your business structure. So I, I, I actually think in retrospect, pulling the business, the products out of the business structure and saying, okay, what does the business need in these various stages? One thing I did want to bring up, and I want to talk about this more in the future. I, I haven't scheduled a time yet, you know, in terms of, of episodes, but when do we look at exit strategies? Um, typically my experience has been that founders look at exit way too late. They look at exit when they're ready to be done. We need to be looking at exit much earlier than that. In this case, you'll, you'll notice that I started saying we're going to develop a, a valuation model, uh, during the growth phase. And then in the expansion phase, be developing, uh, the exit options. And, and that could shift for you. I would actually probably be looking at exit options during the growth phase. Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One earlier is better. And two, when you are, uh, working on, uh, expansion, if you're going the route of venture capital and eventually perhaps an IPO, that is beyond the scope of what I do, but in, in, in terms of beyond 50% and in terms of my interest, but if you're going to go that route, understanding your, what point you want to be out, it's, is good. It's, it's good to understand that a publicly traded company is much different than a privately held company. And, um, the, so the bottom line is what do you, when do you want to be done or when do you think it won't be fun anymore? Um, you know, honestly, mature businesses, if they're genuinely mature and you have a product that people will use, um, screws and bolts, things that don't change commodity products, um, to me, that kind of business environment is not very interesting. I like businesses which are in that flux of, of startup or growth where we're trying to figure out the challenge of moving this product forward. Uh, where in maturity, you're in the point of trying to eke out every last penny before someone else takes your spot. And th there's certainly challenges there and they could be rewarding. That's just not for me. So, uh, I'm going to get rid of this and go back to the camera. If I think, think everything's good now. Had a little internet bug. I hope that didn't mess up the video too much. I seem to be okay on the local recording. So that's, that's good. But, um, anyway, so, so there's, there's a few examples in that, in that graphic that I showed you that can help illustrate the idea where we group tasks that need to get done in a specific stage of business development into groups that matter at specific times. So, uh, you may have a number of things that need to get done in the concept phase, but they don't all need to get done at the same time. And if you don't want to get into doing a, a, um, Gantt chart, which to me, that that's where we get to the detail and the management that is beyond the scope of what I enjoy doing as an entrepreneur. Um, if you don't want to do that, but you still want to bundle things in, in groups that 
seem to make sense to you, I thought this was an interesting framework to do it in. So if we, if we say 0. Uh, 0 to 0. 0.9 is the concept phase, dump everything that's concept related into that bucket and then sort them by, you know, up to 0. 0.1 is a certain group of things. Up to 0. 0.5 is another group of things. Um, and then once we get to product launch, once we get to 1.0, where we go to revenue, what has to be in place by the time we go to revenue? And how do we structure that? So, uh, but then that also has the, so, so it has the advantage of categorizing things for us, but it also has the advantage of helping us focus on the things that we can do right now to move our business forward. And it helps us have the discipline to say, oh, you know what? Finance is really important to the late growth phase, to the expansion phase. That's super awesome. I'm glad you gave me that contact. Thank you so much. I'm going to put that angel investor in my virtual Rolodex and I'm going to put a note maybe in my, you know, in my business plan to contact that person. And I might talk to them initially and say, Hey, we're a couple years out from, from expansion or whatever. Um, but I was introduced to you by Joe and, and, uh, just like to stay in touch. I might do that. But at that point, I set that aside because it's not the most important thing I can do right now. And so we get the benefit of being able to categorize and prioritize the things that do matter. And we get a, a discipline, an aid to discipline in being able to say this doesn't matter or it, it doesn't matter enough now to expend resources on it because it doesn't add value right now and I don't have infinite resources. So that's it. Um, you know, what can we do to, uh, to put this into real practice? Well, you can saw, I, I put it into Todoist, which is like I said, the, the task manager that I use and why do I like it? Because it is super, super simple. I don't like Gantt charts and there are other software packages that are coming out for small business productivity and small business project management that I have toyed with many of them, but I actually don't like any of them either because they, they make the system too complex so that it becomes an issue of managing the system versus getting the work done that the system is supposed to be describing. So that doesn't help me. So there's, I, I find that the really simple task managers are the easiest way for me to have a balance between that project level, that project management style versus uh, hoping I wrote it down on a, on a post-it note and put it on my desk somewhere, which is the, you know, kind of the, the other side that doesn't help me either um, because I want it all in, in some specific place. And so I do use a combination of, of, um, you know, paper lists in my, in my daily planner and, and then to doist for things that I'm not going to do that specific day. But, um, practically speaking, how do we put this into practice? Well, how are you doing it right now? You know, do you have the, the things, the, do you have your business organized by the five stages that businesses go through, 
that's a pretty good framework. Um, it helps us identify what matters when. And uh, if your business is, is not complex, you might not need to break it down any further like I have here. Um, but I think if you actually start looking at what it really takes to run a successful business over a long period of time, you're going to find that there's a lot that needs to get done. And especially if you want to move it past a specific stage, um, we don't want to stay in the concept stage any longer than we absolutely have to, because that's pre-revenue. We don't want to stay in the startup phase any longer than we have to, because that is a struggle every single day to just get revenue. We want to get to that growth stage where we're growing and growing and growing the revenue. We have, uh, you know, a certain amount of profitability that we can count on. And that gives us room to kind of, kind of breathe a little bit and move into these other stages. Um, and, and so the, the idea then is to just basically break it down to the level that you need it. And this was a way that I thought, you know, this is a, a method that we could use that we can kind of steal from the software industry to say, uh, you know, that first digit 1.0 or 2.0 or whatever identifies the stage of the business that we're in and the dot two, the dot two five, whatever are for our purposes, the patches and the updates to those revisions a uh, patch being something that fixes something that's broken. So if you say, okay, I I'm in the growth phase and all of a sudden I realize that my CRM is not going to meet my needs. I need to patch that. What does that project entail? Well, that's, uh, you know, that might be uh 2.51 and that might be a patch because we have to fix a problem or we have the next layer that we want to add. Let's say we, let's say that in 2.6 during our growth phase, we've identified having a help desk that will serve our customers on the internet uh, so that they can, they can help themselves as much as possible before they have to take time to access our staff personally to find a solution. Well, okay, we need to build that out. So that becomes an update. So there's a, this is just a way that I thought was familiar to me having used computers for a long time. And I thought, you know, maybe it's something that's familiar to other people where you can kind of wrap your head around creating structure around your business path, you know, your business growth without creating so much detail work that the detail management becomes more work than it's worth. Um, it is important to get all of this stuff taken care of because if we don't, it leaves gaps in our business. It puts us at risk and also can put us at risk of not being compliant because we didn't know enough. We didn't put these things in place. You know, there's a lot of, of frameworks that businesses have to go into. Uh, and you have to understand that for your specific, uh, industry. So the idea is what are you doing now in the, to create that framework and then is this helpful to you? You know, if this is something that you can identify with, then you can say, oh yeah, I can apply that to this. And then I can have a very, a relatively simple way of grouping these subtasks together. And can you do that in the structure that you're using? If you're using a, a Gantt chart, <laughs> you know, you can certainly do that. 
if you're using a, just a to-do list, like um, the software that I use, Todoist or something else, if you're using Monday or if you're using a pen and paper, can you integrate that into it? And will it be helpful? And then, um, and then the, you know, really it is, it's just about starting, you know, go through your business, start identifying the things you need to do, categorize them, and then use that to focus your energy on, on items that add value in this moment and work on it. That's it. You know, let's start getting work done. Right. So that's, we're 44, 43 minutes in. I think we'll, uh, I think we'll wrap it up for the week. Um, next episode 41 is, so this is funny. I, I went to think about what I, sh I should do next week. And I flipped back and forth between thinking about what should be going on next week and this week's episode. And I was reading my notes and I realized that I constantly talk about the principles of business. And then it occurred to me, I've never actually articulated what that means to me and what I feel like it should mean to small business owners. So next week, I, I'm going to start talking about principles of business. Now these may start, this may actually have to be a series because I don't want them to be, I don't want to just sit here and list what I think the principles of business are. I want to talk about them in enough depth so that we can apply them and that it's useful, actionable information. So. Next week, we'll start talking about the principles of business. Um, at Beyond 50%, we consult with business owners to uh, develop solutions and fix specific problems or implement new business processes or features if we want to stick with the uh, software revision analysis um, that enable you to, to uh, continue or grow the value that you add according to your passion. Um, we're live up and to the right on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, if this video has been helpful to you, let's switch over here. If this video has been helpful to you, uh, please subscribe and hit that little bell so that you'll be notified when we go live. Feel free during the live show to comment or um, uh, ask questions. But if you're if you're not watching this live, go ahead and throw a comment in anyway. Uh, I do monitor those comments and respond. Um, and uh, so subscribe, share it with your friends and other business owners, uh, maybe not your competitors. I'll, I'll understand if you don't want to share uh, uh, business advice with, um, with your competitors, but with your complimentary product and products and unrelated friends who are entrepreneurs or aspiring uh, business owners or, or own startups, please uh, uh, share the content. Let me help me share the message. Uh, in the meantime, Thank you for watching and uh, it's time for me to get back to work.